Come on down to the Law Student Lounge with your host, Attorney Ryan McKean, where law students like you tell their stories. So pull up a chair and join us in the lounge. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Law Student Lounge. I'm your host, Ryan McKean from Connecticut Trial Firm, and I'm here with Allie Rice. And Allie has uh, the distinction of being the first guest for my alma mater, not going to be our last guest, uh, Western New England University School of Law, but I forever and ever will call it Winnick uh, when it was Western New England College uh, School of Law. Uh, welcome, Allie. Great to be here. Allie, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I just finished my first year at, I also kind of like to call it Winnick because Winnie sounds a little bit weird, but I'll call it Western New England. Um, I loved it. Uh, definitely challenging, as people say. I started off as a part-time evening student my first semester, then quit my full-time job and switched to full-time day student status, taking the summer easy. I have no idea what I want to do yet. Uh, okay. Yeah, it is okay. It is okay. I, it actually scare me if people, you know, I, I think very, some there are some people out there who know exactly, like, I want to go to law school and I want to do criminal defense or something. And that that's fantastic. But I think that's a very small minority of people. So keeping an open mind is great. So let's Let's unpack it. So you started as a as a as a part time student. Can you talk about that and your decision to transition to full time? Because I'm guessing that's a big decision. Yes, it was, especially financially. Um, I used to work for the Connecticut Judicial Branch as a caseflow coordinator in the Weathersfield office in court operations, and that was my full time job. And so I had applied to Western New England as a part time evening student with the intention to do four years part time evening work full time, and then. Well, the first week of school, I realized I didn't want to keep working for the branch at least. And I wanted to focus more on classes. I think as a lot of people are sharing, mental health is super important and law school is stressful from the start. And so I didn't want that added stress. I still work two part-time jobs. And then when I had switched to full-time day, I decided I wasn't going to work except for teaching skiing. Um, which was hard, but my mental health was important. And I love the fact that I could be super active on the weekends and ski all day, Saturday, Sunday, and then just study Monday through Friday. And I think that was a very good decision. Awesome. Awesome. And did it result in you, like, did you change sections or I, I don't know how, how that works at Western New England right now? Sure. So I kept one evening class with the rest of the evening students, it was property. And then I had three other classes that were with the full-time day students in the spring. But for the fall semester, I had all part-time evening classes at me. And when, you know, take it back a little bit even further, when when is it that you knew that you wanted to go to law school? The funny story, um, I didn't. I refused at first. I started working at the Harford Family Corps in Connecticut, and the judges there just convinced me to apply. I loved my job. They thought I was really good at my job as a courtroom clerk and working in the office. I loved, I just loved it there, and they convinced me. I actually had every intention of never going to law school, <laughs> um, but God works in funny ways, and so I'm just glad that I decided to apply. Now, of course, when I was super little, like three and four, my mom said, oh, you need to be a lawyer because all you ever do is help people stop fighting and help them 
like you mediate everything. And so when I was super little, I wanted to be a lawyer. But then, of course, everyone changes what they want to do as they grow up. Uh, and so I, I credit the judges and my bosses at Hartford Family Court for encouraging me and growing and in realizing I could do this. This is actually really fun. Yet I want. Yeah. Helping people stop fighting is one of the highest callings of the legal profession and an area where lawyers can do a whole lot of good and you know, you like to, if you're out there and you're thinking about applying to law school, you know, you may see courtroom dramas and things like that. And the the, the truth is, is that that's a very like microscopic uh, cross section of what goes on in the practice of law. And a lot of it is lawyers trying to solve both legal but and personal problems or or business problems, as the case may be in family court. They're the most personal of problems. So can you talk about like your, you know, for those who don't know, again, People who the audience of this is people who are out there. They're either in law school or they're they're thinking about law school. Can you talk to me about what a court clerk does and what it is that you saw? Uh, so if somebody out there is uh, interested in that kind of work while they're in law school or going to law school, just uh, share a little bit about that. It's actually within the state of Connecticut, the judicial branch, a great job. Whether someone is thinking of going to law school, in law school, right after law school. So I was a temporary paralegal was like my official name, but I was in the courtroom all the time. I had rotated between judges, um, which I loved. Loved learning how different judges ruled on motions, thought, wrote orders. And so a courtroom clerk, they are the judge's assistant, basically. They sit next to the judge. They help the judge write orders. They control the docket in a sense. Like they tell the judge, this case is coming up, or do you want to take this case or this case? We spoke a lot with family relations, which is a mediation service in the state of Connecticut, especially in family court and also criminal court. So I worked close with them and uh, swearing witnesses, handle a lot of evidence. I also, when I wasn't assigned to court because my judge out or other judges had other clerks that had covered with them, I was in the office. So I did a lot of office work, which was really grew me in customer service skills a lot. Um, handling papers at the front counter, learning, which is really important, the difference between giving, not giving someone legal advice and helping them like fill out a form properly so it can be filed, which is a fine line. And working with a lot of other people in the office. At one point, I was able to train new clerks who came in, which I loved doing. I also was able to clerk the main courtroom, especially on temporary restraining order docket days and uh, other calendar days, other motions like resolution plan dates. So lots of managing and lots of maintaining relationships with certain judges. Yeah. And so when, when you're in court and then I, I, um, I got out of going to Hartford Family Court years ago, but I went for, you know, most weeks for pretty much over a decade. And it is uh, some level of, um, you know, chaos and despair. And it is where people beat the law. Um, and you've got a lot of people who are really scared, a lot of people who don't know, um, a lot of people who may be hurt, uh, confused. Uh, their future is at stake, the future of their kids. Um, maybe they're sad that their marriage is over. Maybe they're happy that their marriage is over. I've seen, seen it always in that in that long hallway uh, where where business gets done in in Hartford Family Court. Can you talk to me? Really, we talk two things here. But one is like, what did you notice? Uh, that what were some of the common traits that the best lawyers that you 
were in front of you or in your courts had. I remember one time a motion was brought that sort of last minute, it was filed last minute. One of the other attorneys wanted to raise it. The one attorney who was just extremely good at his job said the judge for like 15 minute recess to research some case law and come back and argue against the motion. And he did such an excellent job. The judge was so impressed. The fact that he was able to just, he knew exactly what to look up. He knew how to articulate what he wanted to say, get his client's point across was really impressive. And the other thing I learned from really good lawyers was how to ask the right questions that actually matter. Because you mentioned there's a lot of drama. And of course, with family, there always is uh, because things can get tense in those situations of a divorce or custody or restraining order, whatnot. And so the judges that knew how to ask the right questions and always articulate properly were very impressive. Yep. Asking the right questions, uh, being prepared. Uh, those are things that will serve any law student or lawyer throughout their career as either a law student or lawyer. So that's very insightful. Can you can you talk to me too about you know what? What are some of the things that you saw with great judges, or you know some of the some of the characteristics of great judges? I remember one of the first times I met one specific judge who I'm close to now. I was actually pretty scared of her because in court she's like stone face and she has the same sort of voice and she never shows favor. But then it's like this change from when she walks between the door of her chambers right into the courtroom, and there's one aspect where she's just very in the middle. You know, she never shows favor. She's very even toned. She never yelled. And people respected her so much over that. Even people who didn't like how she ruled against them. And other judges who were able to show compassion. And some judges would literally sit down with people and help them fill out paperwork so that like, not again, not legal advice, but this is what you need. This is what you need. This is what you need. Then the clerk can help you go to family relations just to expedite docket and make sure that everything was in order for them in their case so that it could move forward. Usually work with people who were in agreement on those issues. Other judges would show compassion, but then they also wouldn't be afraid to unfortunately yell if they had to. And I think all of those traits together show excellent judges. They also in family court, I'm sure in other courts, but I haven't been in other courts, they have all the practice books and the case law on their bench. So they would research, they would ask counsel questions, they respected the attorneys, the attorneys respected them, so there's mutual respect there. And they were willing to learn too, like if they were a little unsure, because not every judge who comes in is an expert on family law, because judges rotate as you know, Ryan, they rotate throughout different courthouses in the state of Connecticut. And so willing to learn um, is super important too, even when you're a judge. And you're a judge because you were appointed because your people think you would be good for, at that. But that doesn't mean that you're done learning. And I think that's really important. Yeah. For the law students out there listening, it is legal. legal being a lawyer is about lifelong learning. And so law school is just the beginning of that process and and not the end. And um, until your last day of practice, uh, you will be learning things and you will be exposed to new things. And I think that's really what keeps it exciting for many of us. Um, I know I know for me, it would be incredibly boring to just do one thing and you would feel unchallenged after a certain point because the law is 
and any area is only so deep. Um, and once you really master that area, and it takes time, uh, it, you know, there's not a whole lot of new that comes your way. And so, you know, I think people who are going, who are in law school and their, you know, curiosity is one of the big things and being humble um, and being diligent, um, things that serve you good, whether you're a law student, a lawyer, a judge, uh, all the way throughout. Just to take a little bit of a jump here, Ali, one of the things in the in the, in the the show notes that you had mentioned, and I know it's a big issue for a lot of people out there, and for those listening, we talked about this, we can talk about it, is that you have ADHD. And can you talk about that? Can you talk about you know how that's impacted your, your, your being a law student or just in general, any any sort of thoughts out there? Because I know a number of uh, folks. Uh, it's very common. It's very common for people in the in in in, in lawyers to have ADHD. Um, law students. Uh, so, just your thoughts. Yes. So I was diagnosed. I think in like middle school. So I've had it for quite some time. Um, and I think I've learned a lot about myself, especially in law school, because in like middle school, high school, you have all these resources that are just readily available for you. And then going to law school, I still have those resources. And I'm so grateful for Western New England for providing those to students. I think I learned a lot about myself as well, working in the Hartford Family Court, because I realized I love doing so many things at once. Because at one moment, I'm looking at court file. I'm printing something, I'm swearing in someone. But in law school, I learned a lot about also sensory processing. We have these cubicles at Western New England on the second floor. They have fresh air, but they're you can't like hear like what goes on outside or inside, which is so nice because once you're in there, it's like just like hyper focus. Um, something that sounds gross, but that I've started drinking lately is mushroom coffee. And I highly recommend because it has been so helpful. And just with helping me focus, I don't like relying on medication. I am on it. I take it occasionally, but I don't like relying on it. And so the mushroom coffee, I've jumped on that bandwagon and I approve of it. And I rec- highly recommend it. I have been on the mushroom coffee bandwagon. Um, lion's mane mushroom. Pardon? Lion's mane mushroom, correct? Yeah. Is it? Yes. yes. And yep. um, the maker of it is, uh, it's escaping me. Um, who do you, where do you buy it? I buy it from Everyday Dose, but there are a bunch of different uh, makers out there. It's really excellent. I I, I agree with the, uh, it's it, it's a, like an energy boost, but a calm energy boost for me. Useful. It is. Yeah, it's great. It has like 80% less caffeine than regular coffee, but I found myself actually maintaining my energy throughout the day. And one of the biggest symptoms with ADHD besides like lack of focus is just being constantly exhausted. And so going through my first year of law school, being constantly exhausted, I finally found this coffee and I'm so ready to start my two well year. We're going to drink it like every day. And it's, it's great. And learning, just learning a lot about myself and that there's no shame in talking about it, but also it's like not a fad. Like it's actually something that people have. It's not just like, oh my gosh, there's a squirrel. It's, it's real. And so having that support system, both with school, family, and friends, very important. Great advice for anybody out there listening and, you know, self-awareness and knowing yourself and knowing what works for you. Like that's as much a part of the journey of being a law student and lawyer as learning uh, about rules against perpetuities or things like that, where it's really about how you learn, 
what works for you, what doesn't work for you, finding and putting the support systems in place uh, for for yourself. Because, you know, you may be out there, you may hear this and mushroom uh, coffee tea may be the thing or it may not. Um, but you've got to keep searching until you find that thing. So with all this being said, Ali, so, you know, your first year, at least my first year of law school, I think was probably the most stressful year. Um, if you could go back and talk to yourself a year ago about going into law school, what is it that you would tell yourself? To listen to people when they say that college studying is nothing like law school studying. It's at law school studying, you really have to relearn how to study, which can sound daunting, but it can actually be encouraging once you get it. And to not work too much because taking out loans can also be daunting and stressful. But taking out loans to be able to afford law school, because I was paying out of pocket when I was working for the judicial branch and I had some money saved up, which I really like. It's worth it to just take out that extra loan and study and focus and not worry too much about finances. Also, last thing, stay at home. Like I live with my mom and I'm 30 and like, I mean, I'm hopefully going to get married soon, my boyfriend and whatnot, about, but there's no shame in living at home because I'm saving upwards of $20,000 a year according to some like studies that show how much students pay out of pocket or take out for loans to pay for rent. And I'm just like super grateful to have that support system. So there's no shame in that either. If you get through law school and then you can get a job and move out and have a full-time salary, but there's no shame in living at home or living with family whatnot. Yeah, no no shame at all, Ellie. And that that is, uh, that is great advice because, you know, the money you borrow, um, you know, the compound interest, I think by the time I'm done paying off my law student loans, which I, I still have, by the way, uh, but so, some of that is a little bit intentional because I was able to refinance them all into a, like a interest rate that's like less than one percent or something so it just amazing it, it, it but it, it it so that the accountants like don't pay them off because it's you know but but here nor there the, the the truth is is that i will end up spending probably like three times the amount of my uh the the, the sticker value of my degree uh by the time i'm done paying off uh law school so the less of the number that you have there the less compound interest that you have and you know, you you can't save on tuition. You can't save on books. But you know, if you can, if you can, uh, you know, live with a with family, if you're fortunate enough to be able to do that, you know, I think it's I think it's a it's a great thing for the start of your career because you know, at the start of your career, it's going to be also when you're paid the least um, in 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 general, and and, and um, you know the so the loans are the highest and. It's a, it can make for a, a tough uh, first few years when you're out of law school. So narrowing that is 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 great advice. I think um, you know I, I I did not live uh, uh, um, with uh, my family during law school, um, which was fine for me because. But I think also rent right now is so damn high uh, that 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 I think I would have to reconsider that um, in general for if I was doing that all over again. So that is. That is some great advice. Now, what is it about like the first year of law school that you that you loved? I realized I still love reading and writing. Like I love it even more. And I thought I would not like it as much. I love it even more. I love researching, thinking, the conversations that we have in class where the where the professors ask questions and get people to think. And the really great professors are able to moderate very tense discussions and topics 
um, is very interesting learning about other people's perspectives too. Thinking, oh, I actually agree with that. You know, I started off disagreeing and now I agree with that. And learning to see even more how other people think is, I think, super important. And it was really fun. Made class very fun. What were your favorite classes? I loved constitutional law. I loved it. It was so fun. I think within each class, there were certain things that I loved, like property. My mom was talking to me about a deed the other day and how she wants to change it. I said, oh, I I, shall, I can do that. I know how to do that. I learned that. Courts was very interesting, too. The things that people sue over, it can, they can seem so silly, but then from maybe from the plaintiff's perspective can be super important. And then one of my the funniest cases I remember from contracts was a case all about what is chicken and how to define what a chicken is. And that was very interesting too. So con law was definitely my favorite class, but there are other aspects of other classes that I really enjoyed. Now, I love con law too. Uh, and, you know, um, you know, really, I have to think, um, you know, with the, the it is cheap. How, how was con law taught sort of uh, pro post uh, row reversal? Um, because Roe, I mean, at least when I, when I was there and, and Griswold and that whole progeny of cases, Casey, and, you know, that's where we get the penumbra of rights and privacy and, and a whole host of, a uh, whole host of things that sort of really comprised like the, the, the heart of constitutional law. How is, how, how are, how is law school dealing with that? With my professor, at least, I think he handled it extremely well and he had us read Roe and Casey and Griswold and the other cases. And then he had us read Dobbs. And what we did was we compared them. And he didn't really hang a lot on the past cases because they were overturned. And what um, was interesting to read through the decision was about stare decisis and the factors that the court takes into that they consider when overturning a case. And there was a lot of history in the Dobbs decision, which the professor went over. So it was very actually constitutional. It wasn't religious, which is what it can sort of go like head towards. And he handled the discussion very well. So I actually really enjoyed what was like analyzing the uh, opinions within the class. Yeah. And of course we went over like other parts of constitutional law before that really helped. But I thought that it the professor handled it very well. Of we're not going to just ignore these past cases because they are mentioned and we need to understand these past cases in order to understand Dobbs. He also emphasized how well Justice Roberts said this doesn't mean that other things won't happen or and uh, Justice Kavanaugh also said, this doesn't mean that, you know, we can't, we're going to outlaw, you know, con contraceptive pills and whatnot. And we also focused on how Justice Roberts said, you know, the court came, was given this decision for this one issue, and we overturned everything else. And the court needs to focus on the only question in front of them. And so that provided some interesting discussion as well in class of how the courts can sometimes be given one question and then take it into a whole different like area, a different direction. 
instead of just sticking with what's in front of them. Yeah, that's 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 really it's really interesting, and it is a it's a huge departure because it was just the, you know, like that was the whole semester uh, essentially of comma. And yeah, I mean, we had we had other classes on like First Amendment and and, and different different aspects uh, of con law um, in general. So what what classes are you, you know, in your first year, um, it's still the same as when I was there. You take contracts and property and criminal law and constitutional law and torts and, you know, the, the, the sort of core classes. What classes are you looking forward to taking your second year? I am a planner. Uh, so I actually have like all the classes I think I want to take through third year <laughs> get out <laughs> um but for the fall at least i'm really looking forward to appellate advocacy um law and religion because i'm christian and i think it's going to be very interesting to learn other people's perspectives it's taught by my con law professor as well and i because i loved him like death to take this class and food and drug law because it combines a bunch of different areas of law like intellectual property constitutional law medical malpractice, environmental law. So that's sort of my focus is the classes that are fun, like law and religion, which is also a writing course. We have to fulfill some writing credits. Appellate advocacy, which is experiential learning course, which you have to fulfill some of those credits. But then also those classes that combine all the areas of law, because I think that will help me understand other areas of law better. And I do well with repetition. And so just taking classes that build upon each other, I think, is is really fun for me. Um, because I actually switched halfway through the year from part-time evening to full-time day, I have to take criminal law still. So I'll be taking that with the one else in the fall. And will you be graduating in two years? Like, is that is it you're able to do that? So if somebody's out there and they're thinking about it and they start as a night student, are you able to, to graduate or is it going to be longer for you? It, it's going to be three years, so I will graduate with the full-time day students who were 1Ls last year as well. Um, so it is possible, and I'm grateful I only have to uh, one class to, I don't want to say make up. Whenever I say make up, mom says, that makes it sound like you failed the class. You just have to take it, so take the class. Um, but it's definitely possible, and um, the way that it works at Western New England is there are certain classes that 3Ls have to take their fall and spring semester. So the professors and the deans worked well with me and they said, yeah, you can graduate like this. Even I think if you want, someone wanted to switch halfway through their 2L year, they could still do it. They might need an extra semester, but they could still do it. Gotcha. So that's that's good to know. I mean, it's good to know because, um, you know, not every law school path is the same. Not every path to being a lawyer is the same. And so if you're out there and you're listening to this and you're thinking about going to law school, you know, maybe you start at night and maybe you, you switch to day or maybe you start at day and you switch to night. Um, um, and you, there's a lot of ways that, that you can do this and be uh, successful at it. And Ali, you said that you are you are 30. So you had some prior work experience uh, from going to law school. Um, I went to law school pretty much right after college, a little bit of a break. I gradu- ended up graduating early don't kids out there never graduate college early. Don't, don't do that. Like spend the time, like stay in school, enjoy that. Um, but I worked, uh, for nine months and then I went to law school, uh, but you had a significant sort of work experience. How do you think that that's shaped your, your law school experience? I think it drives me even more to be a lawyer because I've had 
the real world experience from at least being a courtroom clerk and the caseload coordinator, that really helps because with me, I need to maintain interest in something. Maybe it's the ADD. I don't want to lose interest. And so having that, knowing like this is the end goal that I can go back to this and be an attorney, I think was instrumental, has been instrumental in my law school experience. Also learning how to time manage was important working like doing so many things at once in the courtroom and then going from class to class learning how to switch between studying because science says that if you study for a certain amount of time and then switch and then study another subject and then switch and study another subject it actually makes you retain more information i tried that and worked so sides correct on that and so also maintaining those relationships with the attorneys and the judges that I met has been really great as well. So having that real world experience has definitely driven me more. There are some people who are super driven in law school who come right out of college, but that personally helped me and it helped me to decide because as I mentioned earlier, I refused to go to law school and then I worked in the courthouse and the judges convinced me to go. And so that was pretty like changing. Yeah. And so one of the things that I hope to explore as this podcast goes on, and it's a little bit hard and a little bit the purpose of it, um, because like there are law students, there are lawyers, and we're talking, I don't know, I want to explore like bridging the gap between these things. And so like when I went to law school, which I think is true of almost all my classmates and a lot of law students I talked to, they had never been in a courtroom before, like never. I mean, maybe maybe their dad was a lawyer or whatever, mom. Um, but but they had generally not had a whole lot of experience with the with the court system. How how do you feel um, when you're 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 on one hand learning about things like constitutional law and, and and all these high level principles and reading cases, and then you see in Hartford Family Court where it's about filling out forms and 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 a whole host of other very very practical things that lawyers deal with and and, and pro se litigants and judges. Um, that really comprise the law. How do you feel about that dichotomy or can you discuss it a little bit or and any of your thoughts? I think that having the experience of filling out forms and helping people gives me more compassion going into law school and hopefully carrying that through and when I'm a lawyer as well. Not that lawyers are in compassion, I'm not saying that, but Having that experience, I will never forget too how there was this one man when I was training another clerk and I was trying to help him fill out the form. And it, for some people, it can be pretty basic, like name, address, et cetera, um, what motion you want, what you want to do. And I had to go through line by line with him. And at first he was a little resistant to it. And then I said, sir, like, is there something wrong? And he said, I can't read. And I said, my heart broke in that instance. And I was like, oh, wow. And so I really had to point to each box and say, this is your name. Like, what's your name? What's your address? We've had homeless people in family court too. I don't have an address. Well, we still need to put something down, like family's address or somewhere we can send the mail to, things like that. And so having that compassion and realizing how much greater we need to make access to justice is super important and so i think it will 
also, it also gave me patience too. So maybe one day I'm an attorney standing in line trying to file a form and there's someone in front of me who's illiterate and I have to be extra patient because the clerk has to help them. And it's, you know, it's, it's not going to make me any better or my client any better if I'm rude to someone and lying because I just want to get something filed. And so really creating access to justice and, and helping people um, find ways to fill out forms or understand the law and why they need to do certain things according to the law is, you know, and that that's a fantastic answer because at the end of the day, law is about people. The end of it, <laughs> um, and it's about these are real problems. These are, you know, if you're a lawyer, you're dealing with some of the most serious non-medical problems any company, business, or anybody could possibly have, and so. Yes, patience is going to serve you well. Compassion are, is going to serve you well. Uh, being able to explain things are going to serve you well. And I sort of want to dig a, a, a little, a little bit deeper into that, in, into that um, because one of the one of the things, one of the criticisms of law school, and it's one that I that I voice, is that law school doesn't teach you practical things, like almost at all. Um, so, you know, I don't even know. Um, I, I think when I was there. Um, I don't even know if there was a family law course, like maybe that there was, but there's a huge need for family lawyers and a huge demand and a lot of work that needs to be done. And even if I took that course, I would think that they wouldn't um, know how that plays out on the day to day on the streets, like in, in, in the courthouse. So what do you think about that? I think you make a great point. There are pro bono requirements for graduating. I think that they should be a lot higher than just a measly 20 hours. There's also an access to justice course that we have that I think should also be required for everyone who graduates. It teaches about poverty. It teaches about low income. It teaches about people with different cultures and languages who have trouble in the court system and how you can create a solution to that, and which is super interesting. We have a lot of experiential learning courses. Now, my first one is going to be called advocacy, so I can't speak to that. We do have family law now. It's three credits, and it's considered a universal bar exam prep course. But I've heard that it focuses more on constitutional law than anything else. And so with each course, a student could maybe be required to speak with an attorney in that area's law or actually go to a courthouse and watch for a day what the process is and have that experience of even just sitting there and observing, um, I think is super important because you can have all of the head knowledge and you get 4.0 in law school and you could pass the bar with flying colors. But then if you don't have that experience, like you're saying, or that compassion and that real world knowledge, even just a little bit, I don't know how much that will help people because I'm not that type of person. Like I have that experience. And so I think you make a very good point about that and having more like real life applicable courses, even just like a section of the course uh, focusing on that, I think would be helpful. Yeah. And, you know, what you said is so, is so valuable. If you're in law school, like get out of law schools and what well, if you're i mean by out of the classroom and go out and go into courts and you know i think one of the more valuable experiences i had and i 
I don't do criminal law. I didn't want to ever do criminal law in any which way. Um, but I interned at a general, uh, uh, Connecticut has two levels of courts, like ju uh, judicial districts where there are basically murders and uh, GAs where there are everything but murders, right? Um, shoplifting to assault to, you know, bad, bad things, um, but different, different things. So I interned in a GA and a GA is a very busy court where you, the court sees all the world's problems on every single day. And but just getting into court and to see how fast courts operate and to see uh, the issues that courts deal with that are like very problematic and, and how they have to deal with them rapidly is incredibly useful. I remember uh, during my first year, we did uh, legal research and writing, and it was a moot court assignment where we argued summary judgment. And I thought, oh, my gosh, it was like I was preparing to argue before the U.S. Supreme Court. And. So if you go to a superior court, wherever you are, and you see uh, in state court a summary judgment argument, I think the first summary judgment argument I ever saw was actually in federal court. It was done over the phone. And it was just like lawyers talking about the case with the judge over the phone, and there was a court reporter, and, and that was it. Um, and sometimes, you know, when you're when there's 12 cases on the docket, you've got to make your points really quick. Uh, you've got to you've got to know your record. You've got to know your facts, and you've got to be able to to you know the speed at which it operates is is very significant um, um, in different uh, in practice. And you don't have um, you know, and if you're going to be an associate, you may not have uh, the luxury of a semester or months to draft a motion for summary judgment. Uh, you may have a day or two days or a day to respond to it. Um, and so I think it's it's very useful to um, to get some perspective, which is what I think it is, which is that, yes, arguing a motion for summary judgment, while critical to your client's case, um, is not the equivalent of arguing an appeal before the Second Circuit or or uh, U.S. Supreme Court, certainly. So, you know, get out there, get that experience, go into courts. Like there's no there's no substitute for it. And even if you know you're like I don't want to do litigation, just watch how it plays out um, because it will be a very shocking experience to you if you know all you've ever experienced is law school and what law professors' idea of court is or maybe. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, building off of that, building off of that. Now you've reminded me of one time when an attorney actually had come to family court um, before he was supposed to argue for his client. And one of the judges I was with asked, oh, like, who's that in the back? Um, are you here for a case? I said, no, I'm an attorney. I'm just observing to prepare for when I come argue for my client. And the judge was so impressed. This is what every attorney should do. Like, you, you if you're not a family attorney, and this year you're taking on a case, go observe it. Even with like the law students, you really can compare, like you said, between what we learn in class, which we still do that little uh, moot court summary judgment um, uh, assignment. I had that in the spring. And between what you their real world experience is and post-COVID, there are still, especially in Connecticut, some courts like civil court where you can watch actually on YouTube. So you don't even have to go somewhere if you can't take the time to go somewhere you could watch online and that could also be really helpful to some students it's incredibly helpful um and you'll find in whether it's law school or life i mean uh your practice of law like some of the best things in my career almost 20 years is 
happen when I'm outside of my office, um, which is interesting because I spend a lot of time in my office, uh, but getting out um, in general and watching and observing and connecting and listening and being curious are incredibly important. So Ali, um, you know, th thank you so much. I think this has been a, a great discussion that's going to help a lot of people. Love your story, love your openness and vulnerability about you know ADHD and 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 your your ability to work through that and all, all that you're going through. And I know you're going to be incredibly successful at whatever it is that you choose to do. And anybody listening to this, you know, really should take away that they should try to get practical experience, get into the court and see see how it all plays out. Um, I think that that's that's those are wonderful lessons for anybody in law school or thinking about it. But I always end this on sort of an unserious note, but I think it's serious, um, which is like you're at a cookout and uh, you get a burger, veggie burger, hamburger, whatever kind of burger, going to get some kind of burger. OK, um, what are you putting on your burger? I can't have a hot dog. You can't have a hot dog. It can be any burger. Any kind of burger. I'm going to I'm going to pick a bison burger. So when I was in Yellowstone okay. National Park, I had one and it was amazing. I'm kind of boring. I just like ketchup. That's fine. Maybe there's lettuce, maybe some lettuce, but just just ketchup. Lettuce. There's there there is no wrong answer to this question, and um, ketchup and lettuce. I I I I am a ketchup, mayonnaise, and pickle guy, but I could also be persuaded with mustard. Um, I think the pickle to me is 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 the key part of it all. Um, but uh, I don't I don't I don't believe any greens belong on my burger, so I think that's where where we where where we differ. Um. So mayonnaise, I do not like mayonnaise. So we definitely there. Well, there, there we go. So no, no, no right or wrong way to do. Lots of ways to 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 do a burger. Lots of ways to do uh, law school and the practice of law. And Ali, thank you so much for being on. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining Ryan McKean in the Law Student Lounge, where real law students talk about their real lives. Are you a law student with a story to tell? Learn how you can share your story with us in the episode description. And join us next time in the Law Student Lounge.